I tried to research anything and everything I could about this thing. There's been other chains in the past. Found one that was in Brazil a few years ago. A man there escaped that chain by killing his neighbor and passing it to his neighbor's wife. Your patient is going to die unless she kills someone. That's the only way you can get rid of it. The only way. She has to make sure there's a witness for it to pass too, because this thing needs trauma to spread. That's what gives it power. Trauma. Your patient has to make it count. Tell her to use some kind of weapon. Make the biggest mess she can. I can't kill someone! You? You have it? Why the fuck did you come here? You're not giving it back to me. Get out of here! Get out of here! Get away from me! Get away from me! Get away from me! Get away from me! You know, this podcast, we talk about a lot about CGI and Marvel and, and you know, all these big blockbusters that are coming out, Avatar. And not to take away from those films, those films obviously take a lot of talent to make them. But it's starting, it could be just me, I'm starting to see an influx of people getting kind of sick of these films. Now, Avatar is doing well primarily because it's a blockbuster Top Gun kind of rejuvenated that a bit, as we talked about as well in the podcast. And you're probably asking, why am I talking about this? Well, the reason I bring it up, we the plus side of all these Marvel films and all these comic book films coming out, and people getting tired of them, I think people are going back to the basic independent horror film now. You've seen a massive resurgence in horror films. Um... Starting with, you know, the Halloween reboot to the Scream to the small little ones that I've never heard of, never heard of the filmmakers, never heard of the producers. And a couple of them just came out uh, next to each other here and just and wave reviews, which are Smile and Megan. Um, so we're going to actually tackle those. But my point being in the beginning, what I was trying to get to was it's nice to see horror getting more of a recognition and appreciation and people going back to what works if they're getting tired of the CGI experience. Yeah, I would pretty much agree with that. Um, while some of these independent, you know, maybe not quite independent, but sort of smaller studio horror films coming out are, are not perfect either. Um, I think you're right. I think it's uh, basically audience fatigue of all this superhero Marvel MCU stuff and you know and not just marvel of course just in in general and um i think it's good that we're going back to basically cinema and horrors more more appreciated roots if you know what i mean yeah and then i and this was a big name i believe it was universal i think no paramount put this one out yes and they put 17 million into it and the movies made 216 million um and like I said, pretty much no names. Uh, the new new kid in town. Uh, my God, I couldn't 
mirror image to her, to his to her father. <laughs> um, like how do you pronounce your name? Shoshi Bacon, Shosha, Shosha mm-hmm. Bacon. That's Kevin Bacon's kid. Um, amazing how I couldn't. I was just hit. It was almost a distra- distraction. <laughs> how right. much he looks like your dad. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's welcoming, but it could be damaging. Um, unfortunately. I'm probably the only person, and the reason we're doing Smile as well is I went to see it with a lot of anticipation. This has got 7 out of 10 on IMBD. That's impressive, especially for horror. Yeah, I was going to say for a horror film that it is very impressive. Exactly. And so I saw it in the theater. I wanted to walk out. I thought it was so boring. Um, I saw it with my friend, and then he agreed. Then I decided, well, the success of Megan and all these other little horror films, let's I'm going to give Smile another shot. So here we are kind of revisiting it to see if I was wrong and if the mass audience is right. I'm going to tell you right now, I am always right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to fucking hurt me, Karen, because I'm going to probably agree with you in this podcast. <laughs> you know, but I'm not going to tear it to shreds. I won't do that. But this has a hereditary kind of feel. And what I say about hereditary is everybody loves hereditary, but I ripped it to shreds because of the last five minutes of the film. It it destroys everything Tony Collette and Gabriel Byrne and the rest of the gang did. Um, with I disagree, but um, you know we're not talking about hereditary. I, I, I disagree with your opinion on hereditary, but there is a certain hereditary feel to this as well. So I agree with that. Yep. However, it wouldn't hold a torch to hereditary. Agreed. Hereditary, at least from till the last five minutes, it kept you engrossed. Um, what this does have in common with hereditary is the acting. Um, I got to give her credit, Sasha. I'm sorry if I'm butchering her name, Sasha Bacon, her first kind of outing as a soloist, and I have to say her performance is spot on. But I feel like the cast of Hereditary, her performance is wasted. I, I right, this is my take on her performance. Uh, it's mixed, and that I find while she's very good, I'll admit, um, she is very good. Um, her the character, the way the character is written, and the behavior of the character, and her sort of style of acting you know with this you know she's a bit sort of jumpy and talking up and down and all this sort of thing that did great on me however it is it, it is it's, it sort of stands true of someone experience what is essentially a sort of it's a parallel for mental health issues you know so it it's very good but at the same time it did irritate me if that makes yeah, sense. I, I appreciate it at, at the same time. I mean, I, I like I said, I liked her, her acting. I thought it was quite solid. But the problem I had with it was you're spot on the direction she the direction she was given and the way the characters mm-hmm. written. Because by the end of it, I I certainly wasn't smiling. <laughs> well, I, I wanted the the, the 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 fucking Marilyn Manson big monster thing to fucking eat her. You know what I mean? I couldn't wait for that to happen. She was just really grating on me. Yeah, but I don't think that's her fault. No, I agree. All right. Well, this is written and directed by first-time director. He's done a couple little small things, but his big first big outing. Written and directed, which I think is kind of cool. So I will say this, Parker Finn, there is a vision there. There is talent, kind of like we talked about Ari Lester, who did Hereditary in Midsummer. Um, even though I was very angry at the ending of Hereditary, I do feel the guy's got very good talent to be able to bring these actors out of their shell. Uh, spec- and the guy who did X um, as well. Well, Ty West is a... 
genius, yeah. period. But but my point is that they haven't given me anything yet that it's worth talking about, but I know there's something there. And this guy will have a career. There's something there. Uh, let's dive into it and uh, talk about Smile. So we got Rose, Trevor, played by... Uh, so we got Shoshua Bacon, who plays Rose, Jesse T. Usher, who plays Trevor, uh, Kyle Gallner is Joel. Those yes. are the three main ones. Joel, Trevor, and Rose. Trevor's character should have been written out. He's the most annoying fiancé I've ever met in my entire Well, he life. pretty much was written out halfway through it. He just disappears. What's that all about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So why why even have him? Why even have him? The Joel character's all right. It's nice seeing, uh, I think it's Kyle Gallner. He's been in a lot of films. Nightmare on Elm Street remake, The Haunting Connecticut, Scream, the new Scream 5. So he's got some good track record, so it's nice to see him. Um, obviously, you got Robin Wigger who plays Dr. Northcutt, yeah. who was great in Deadwood. Um, and they got uh, Cal Penn, who we all like to have a good laugh with, but uh, he plays the Doctor. Just small little bit characters. Um, but actually, besides uh, Bacon, um, the young actress, Caitlin Stacy, steals the show. She plays Laura, who is pretty much the best scene in the film, yes. which is the opening sequence. With, uh, with um, the character as a child. Oh, sorry. The, no, the, 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 she is sorry, the Laura. She's the one who kills herself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now the, the, there's some argument going on this one, and it was with Paramount. And again, kudos to Paramount. You always say, Trevor, mm-hmm. back up your director. And Paramount did. Now Finn wanted to go practical. Yes, with the, with the grins. Okay, um, I'm against it. I actually wanted to see <laughs> right? smile, and the reason. And the reason I said that, Paramount wanted a CGI smile. Because they thought, because this is a curse, it it makes the face do something different. And like a grin, yeah, like a joker kind of grin. And it doesn't work when these actors do it. it Lowers works pretty good. But when the, like the, when the doctor does it, Northcutt and a couple of others, it just doesn't work. It's just a stupid smile. So Paramount thought it should have been more villainous and more creepier. And Finn says, no, it has to be practical. And Paramount said, okay, well, back you up. Um, I think it's different. I think the, the smile should um, have been creepier. Maybe the I really actors do. could have... Uh, I would sort of back the director on this one because it's more naturalistic. But uh, maybe they could have worked on it more with the actors. Yeah. It just seemed like smile. Okay, you're taking yeah. a fucking photo. So if you're going to do something like this, a movie called Smile... That's got to be. I mean, that's the that's the key. That's the the heart of the film. Yeah, you that want something iconic, shine. an iconic look. Um, and you, but didn't really get it here with the smile. Yeah, you didn't get it at all. But I do like the opening sequence when you see the uh, uh, when Laura comes in and you can see that uh, Bacon's a doctor. You could see she's an incompetent doctor. She's a competent doctor. No, this isn't Laura. The first one is the the yes, the Carl. guy mumbles. Well, shows when she sits mm-hmm. down next to him mm-hmm. to calm his nerves, to show him that he's talking, yes. talking to him, not at him. Um, so it's a nice little quick thirty-second shot to where you can see this. She's young and she's she's actually competent in what she's doing, um, which kind of sets the the tone for mm-hmm. what she's about to go through. And uh, but uh, you have this whole wasted mother-daughter scenes that were peppered in throughout this film 
and obviously she obviously we we find out that her older sister kind of took off and left her alone with her mother to deal with as she was going through this you know this unfortunate sanity of yeah mental breakdown essentially yeah and what what I, I just felt it, it could have been so much creepier and so much more ominous. And Yeah, the stuff with I, the mother bored me. Yeah. Actually, this 90% of this movie's boring. It, it, it Basically, it felt like it was, oh, let's give her a backstory. It felt, it's like generic backstory, you know? Generic, traumatic um, backstory. Yeah, it was pretty much just to tell us that this is why she's in the business she's in. Yeah. Um, fine, great. It doesn't come back anything scary. You have a couple... We talked about we talked about jump scares, and you're not a big fan of them. I remember that we mm-hmm. talked about that with *Malignant* and stuff. You're right. If a jump scare is just thrown in to scare you in a moment, and then cut next scene, that's a cheat. Yeah, it doesn't um, add to the plot. It doesn't follow through on anything. Yeah, it's on lights in *Exorcist 3*, which is the greatest jump scare of all time, where it actually does forward the plot um, on top of being a real scare the shit out of you moment. Yes, and the problem with this film is that this film is littered with jump scares, and none of them add any value to the film. It's just to keep the audience awake. Yeah, and it does not work. It this is an hour, almost two, two hours. hours long. Yeah, two hours long, and by this movie could have been told about like an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, totally. If if that, it was just. They certainly could have lost the character of Trevor, who just, I mean, it was just like, the character's pointless because he just appears and then halfway through the film he's like written out. There's no progression or there's no, it feels like there have been cuts made, um, but it it, it jars whenever you're watching it because his personal storyline to the character isn't actually wrapped up, he just disappears, (laughs) you know? And and I'll talk about it as we get to the ending here. Um, They could have done something with that character. Yes. Joel and Rose could have played on the fact that yeah the jealous thing the whole she yeah. has to kill somebody and somebody has to witness it yeah. in order for the curse to be lifted they could have really played on that well, well they could have also uh, um, played on the dynamic between the three of them of oh she's now back with her ex and you know Trevor's obviously pissed off at that and stuff but we didn't get any of that at all yeah I know no, oh, the problem is if we got any more the movie would have been fucking four hours long <laughs> yeah it's probably a blessing <laughs> so you have you have the character of Laura, yes, and she's the one who kind of gives her, she kills herself in front of Rose. Rose has, has the curse. Mm-hmm. So well, 19 people have died from this curse. Yep. One survived who we'll meet. But what I don't get, what, the curse originated in some down south or something, down in South America? They, they have no, um, well, from what I've seen from it, um, it's basically referenced in dialogue. We know the guy in the prison, the only survivor, because he murdered yes. someone. He basically yeah. says that there have been cases of the curse everywhere, basically. He even discovered one in Brazil. Um, so it's, as opposed in a way, it's it's a bit like, you know, the old um, chain mail letters. It's something like that, only a deadly one. Um, so, yeah, it appears that this, you know, it's been going on for a very, very long time. But essentially, as soon as, like, the, the basic premise to the film completely rips off It Follows and The Ring. Yeah, I was about to say that. This has definitely It Follows. Um, I actually have it right in front of me as you said that. Yes. Um, it Follows is 300 million times better yes. than this. Yes, and they even rip um, off, you know the, the scene with the big giant guy in It Follows? That was from It. Yeah. Uh-huh. It. 
when he goes to the lady's house in it part two. Yes, but it's also in it follows where there's a big giant guy like walks through a door. Yeah, see, I mean, what the fuck? Yeah. And why do we need that big stupid thing? Give us a ghost, something creepy. Yeah. Uh huh. I mean, we've seen these big CGI man, she men, whatever they are. Not no offense to you non binary people. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I can't keep up. But fucking hell. I mean, it was just a just stupid. What a waste. I mean, the scene that they kept building up with uh, mustache, you know, the missing yes. cat. Mm-hmm. I knew within thirty seconds that was going to that kid was going to open up the dead cat. Yeah, it was so obvious. Like, no, to be fair, I knew it was going to be something upset, and I didn't actually. Um, whenever I first watched it, I wasn't sure if it was the cat or not, but I knew it was obviously going to be something disturbing and upsetting. Um, it, you know, the opening scene, you, you got me. Um, with introducing Rose and how clever she is to talking to these patients, and then you have the obviously the suicide of Laura, yeah. which actually does work. And then you got the credit smile. Yeah, um, I like when movies don't give you the credits until yes, you know, uh, a handful of minutes in. I think it's kind of fun. Cold opening, as it's known. Yeah, and it doesn't distract you from the film. But they're putting credits all over the place yes. when they're trying to watch it. Um, and then I don't understand what the director was thinking. He had a lot of, um, I mean, he definitely did borrow, uh, if, if I can say steal in his own right, it's just from a lot of other films, current films, yes. not even older films, um, that just don't, just it, they're just there to show, look what I can do. Yeah. Rather than it relating it at all or adding to the story, he just wanted, he was like a kid in a science project yeah. or his first student film, and he just wanted to show what he could do behind the camera. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think this film falls. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And um, yeah, you know, um, even whenever I first watched the trailer for this, before I'd even seen the film itself, um, you know, whenever the, the trailer first dropped, you know, a couple of months ago or so, um, straight away I was hearing me, all right, so it's basically The Ring, but with smiles, you know? Um, well, I mean, well, The Ring at least kept you intrigued. Absolutely. And it was fucking creepy. This isn't creepy. And... They go all. They they make this. They they have this character Rose who's who's spiraling out of control day by day, and we're supposed to. And then you have the you're introduced to these two cops. You know Joel, who'll be the main character, and Buckley, his partner, right? Yes. And they're trying to make his tongue in cheek banter and have some good laughs for the audience, mm-hmm. but it doesn't work mm-hmm. because the film you're giving us is a completely different tone film. Yeah. This isn't like a scream film. Uh, the ring certainly didn't do it. Uh, this should have stuck that avenue. You peppering in some humor made no sense at all. Yeah, it was fact, it's cringeworthy. It's cringeworthy. Yeah. And it was, I think, what they were trying to do in, in that scene as well. You know, the scene where you know the two cops are talking about it, and you know, um, Joel's partner goes, "So she was a fucking head case." I think it was. They're trying to highlight, you know, the sort of stereotypes that people still have about people with mental health problems you know but it just doesn't really work and, it, and it's never really followed up it's just you know there's a, there's a few things like that speckled through it even with her sister and stuff and some of it actually to be fair does work like yes. you know with her um you know her you know behavior with the cat and stuff and her sister basically shunning her and stuff her sister was right by the way um you could under well it's there's ambiguity there but you could i get 100 percent understand her sister's reaction and also her sister's partner's reaction and sadly in real life you know people with mental health health issues do do really sort of bizarre and quite um upsetting you know behaviors um and it it can you know and 
people find that tough to deal with. So that that, that I have to give the film credit that they, they handled that at times well. But the stuff with the two cops, um, yeah, it didn't really work. So it yeah, it was kind of like when we talked about Morbius, different films, of course. Mm-hmm. But when Morbius brought those two fucking heckle and jekyll that came on board, yes. it's like what the hell is this? Mm-hmm. They're out of place. Yeah, they're not Rick and, and Murta. That's a different film, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, they're definitely not Rick and Murta. <laughs> Um, there's, but there's some nice shots. There's a great shot in when she's opening the glass of wine. Yes. And the camera pans around, and we see Laura in the corner. Yes. Barely, but you can see the grin. And it's very well lit, very well shot. I really that's like the shot. That's, Sorry, go ahead. Well, that's right. That's what I'm talking about when I say flashes of genius this guy probably yeah. has. Oh, there's talent there. It's just there's a bit of a mishmash of perhaps over enthusiasm and sort of yeah you know but i, I particularly like the scene the shot it's um near, near the start where she's basically talking on the phone and this is before she even realizes that she's onto the curse and she's at work still and she is talking on the phone to her sister i think and she looks out the window and she sees what is presumably laura from a distance and she's just like trying to work out, you know, who's that? That look, she looks familiar. That looks a bit like Laura type thing. You can see her sort of ma- mind doing yeah. overtime. Yeah, that the, was the, done the, well. The, the Laura shots were clever, mm-hmm. and that's where I was getting confused because I thought, which they should have stepped, they, but they don't. They should have stuck with. She keeps seeing the ghost of Laura. Yeah, that makes more sense because she's taking over this persona, this creature, while well, this creature's coming to get her, and technically the creature's still in the. Air, you know the lower phase, yes, or whatever it is, um, that would have been. But they inconsistently go away from Laura, and then the other characters start doing it. The mother, and the, and it becomes more about like it's like tormenting well, her no, with the mother thing. The shrink gets you know gets involved. You have yes. oh, I, I the, fucking hated that yeah. that um, therapist. The 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 older woman, she was so yeah. smug and fucking irritating. Yeah, yeah, it's a good actress though, but. Um, you have the patient that she met in the beginning who gets involved with it too. Yeah. You have it was very inconsistent. I thought they should have stuck Laura throughout the film. Yeah. That would have been a better because she was actually good when she grinned, and it works. Although to be fair right. to the therapist character, a lot of those therapist types in real life are quite smug and irritating. So no, I fucking hate I hate <laughs> so. Yeah, works for me when you know she doesn't get it though. Unfortunately, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, the way he shot, we talked about films. He's kind of taken from you know what he also took from mm-hmm. and that includes the music style and the shots of these landscapes turning upside down and a scene from the office that's at an angle yeah Christopher Nolan uh, well no I wouldn't say Chris Nolan but I was saying I was thinking Candyman yes yes yeah Candyman did that a lot in, his, in, the, in that film Bernard Rose I think did Candyman yeah so I saw a lot of that which is okay I, I mean he's a first time director so he's maybe he's letting people know what his likes are mm-hmm. and that's and this is more but at the end of the day, he's he's hurting his film. But, I, but again, I, yeah. it's not our, our review is pointless because this movie's made fucking quadrillion dollars, you know. Yeah, well, this is it. Um, you know, with the likes of you know, sort of tips of the hat to say Candyman or whatever with shots and stuff, I'm totally fine with that. That that, that to me is homage. But the basic, the film is basically centered around um, basically a concept that has been done or a couple of concepts that have been done before and much better. It basically, it's it fellows crossed with with the ring. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it has some nice ideas, like when the alarm goes off, mm-hmm. and you automatically assume she's talking to the security people. Yes, and then they say, "Look behind you," and right away, you know that's the little creepy whatever it is. I don't even know what it is. Mm-hmm. 
at this point, the, uh, the curse. Um, which again, nothing happens. It just kind of plays out. I th- you know, it's, there is some, you know, I'm just thinking there about, you know, the character of Trevor and the sister. There is some good scenes were and and they're very well played and again it relates to this you know portrayal of mental illness and they believe she's mentally ill obviously in in the film you know the the story of the film she's actually not she's actually being haunted by a a supernatural entity but it's obviously you know sort of commenta- commentating on you know the way people with mental illnesses behave and they're well done you know there's the scenes where where Trevor goes you're talking about fucking ghosts or, or even the scene where the sister says are you fucking serious here you're talking about you know fucking supernatural entities there are the curses aren't real so I, I quite like that because that's how real people um do react you know would react and do react to people with delusions yeah but this isn't a tra- a drama yeah this isn't a family family special about po- you know post-traumatic yes, stress yes, syndrome yes, or something it. This is a horror film at the end of the day. Yeah. And I don't mind putting realism. We talked about it. Perfect perfect examples. The last Halloween, Halloween Ends, mm-hmm. deals with it quite well. Yes. And and so and we were entertained. We enjoyed it. This should have been, you know, you could do that. And I, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, there's a lot of, there's some pluses here. And the acting is definitely one of them. And some of his structure for his, you know, backstories work quite well like you mentioned with the sister and him and and there's obviously tension between her and trevor yes uh but we never really i don't know i think it could have all been wrapped up it's not, by, it's not properly uh, developed the ending is such a cop-out yeah i fucking hate and, the ending and it was such a cop-out to where they could have taken that with the tensions with trevor or even her sister go really diabolical mm-hmm. have her kill trevor in front of her sister, or even her kid. Oh, well, not even so much that. Yes, that was a cop out as well. But what pissed me off was CGI fucking Marilyn Manson running about. I know it was an actor, but I think there was a bit of help there, maybe enhanced with CGI. No, there was CGI, of yeah, course. Yeah. Um, but I mean that that it, it just went down. <clears throat> it, it was trying to be quite serious up until that point. Then we had CGI Marilyn Manson running about, and it was just I, I just couldn't take it serious anymore. The scene where. She decides she when she goes to the prison and she's going to talk to the guy who survived. Yes. Who's very good at it. Yes, small he is. world. He's one of the best. Very good at it. Especially the scene where he freaks out as she's leaving. You know, where he's getting yeah, the because fuck away from me. Yeah. She actually makes the comment. She says, My patient. Yes. But then she actually turns it accidentally Put your food on slips it, it yeah. out that it's her. Mm-hmm. So he panics and goes nuts. Uh-huh. Rightfully so. Yeah. Um so but he tells her that um, you need to kill somebody in front of somebody to to relieve the curse. Yes. So right there, they could have really played with the whole Trevor and the and the sister thing, mm-hmm. or even the shrink, mm-hmm. you know, and have somebody acute. You could have. She. It would have been cooler if she turned. Yeah. No, she, Where she, yeah. she she becomes a sympathetic character who's helping everyone else out with her past trauma. And then at the end, instead of some stupid fucking Marilyn Manson big ripoff yeah. monster from <laughs> It 2, they could have easily, she becomes evil. Yes. 
yeah. and then she goes after and kills Trevor with the shrink or vice versa. Two characters you kind of didn't like. Well, as I was watching it, it here, I said I can pretty much um, guarantee what the final shot of this film is going to be. It's going to be her um, doing herself in and then someone being infected with a curse and walking on to set up a sequel. Um, it cuts away too quickly. I wanted to see, well, in this case, obviously, she did it to Joel. Isn't it Joel? You call him not Joyce? Yeah. Um, yeah Joel, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, um, Joel gets the curse, as it's heavily suggested, with the final shot. But I'd like maybe a bit more. Maybe you give it to the sister or the sister's partner, but actually see them, like, walking off and fucking, you know, freaked out or possessed or whatever, for want of a better phrase. You know, it was just a bit sort of, especially with all the crap with that CGI monster and stuff. It just it was, I mean, no, it, 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 it bollocks this up. I mean, it had potential. There's some very good stuff there, um, and some stuff that's very well done. But overall, it was just a mishmash um, of underdeveloped ideas, other people's ideas, and a bit of a sort of yeah, a letdown essentially. Yeah. So as they're playing Scooby Doo, yeah. Joel and uh, and uh, uh, Rose, you have these uh, moments that are just pointless. How I many? I mean, if I saw her in the car one more time, I was gonna. I thought I was watching a car ad. <laughs> I, I I couldn't stand her character. She was just so she grated on me throughout. Uh, when yeah, <laughs> when she goes when she you know and, and one of the great best jump scares in the fucking film they give it away in the trailer, the one when the sister after she has the fight with the sister and she goes in the car yes. And then you see the sister from the from from the distance from the car yeah. coming out of the house, the and she walks up to the car, and then her neck, you know, bit folds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, which would naturally be a fucking great little jump scare. But why ruin that whole sequence now with something that was in the trailer? Well, to be fair, that was that would have been the studio's fault. Oh, of course it was. Yeah, I guarantee you. I mean, you could have easily have done a teaser, and they need to start doing teaser trailers where you don't show anything from the film. Yeah, mm-hmm. just shoot something separate, mm-hmm. something different. Yeah. Uh, speaking on that, do you see, you see the big lawsuit that movie studios got in trouble for? No. So it's I kind of agree. It's called uh, misrepresenting the film, right? So people go see a film for a certain reason. Yes. And if and the trailer is that reason. Yes. But if you put something in the trailer and then you later cut it from the film, yeah, they could be liable. Right. I, yes. Right. I didn't... For false advertisement. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of movies they brought up about it. Uh, Tarantino is famous for one, not not his film, but a movie, uh, Jason, Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, they cut out one of the big lines from the film. We talked about it. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Actually, on the podcast, no, they do it all the and time. There's, there's like, yeah, yeah, it was the one where get ready for the fight of your life or something like that. Yeah. Or I can't remember what the line was, but they cut that whole thing out, out of the film. And uh, it was uh. So, yeah, so the new thing now, trailers, everything that's in the trailer better be in the film. Right, right. Long story short. Yeah, well, I mean, that's it, it is in a way, you know. I can understand maybe for editing reasons, maybe things don't work out and stuff. So, um, But if they're doing it deliberately just to sort of basically get bums on seats and make money, and then you know, knowing that they're going, you know, they're not going to include this in the final film, then it is deceit. And it is, you know, like basically a form of, you know, manipulation of the audience and people. So I would agree with them, you know, you know, being taken to court or whatever for something like that if, if they're intentionally doing it. But sometimes things happen and sometimes, you know, people, th- you know, um, you know, things what they thought would work don't, don't work and stuff. So, yeah, um, I suppose you would have to take it on a case by case basis. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's going to be... I don't think a lot of people are going to be suing, but 
yeah, it was just something that just passed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll jump back into this one. Yeah, there's a good moment where after talking to Tally in the prison, she decides she, she, she's nuts, she's lost it, mm-hmm. she's going to kill somebody. So she's going to kill the rambling guy. Yes. And so the whole scene is very well done where she walks in. Oh, I thought you were on break. Oh, I just had to get something from my office. Yeah. And she starts stabbing him religiously. And the doctor walks in. What are you doing? I actually fell for that. Uh-huh. I thought it was an actual scene, I, I, but it turns I, out it's yeah. just her. I, at first, I sort of fell for it, but then you sort of realize, you know, before she wakes up, oh, this is a dream sequence because he, he's not Dan, you know? Yeah. I, again, used with horrible CGI. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like when the doctor rips his face off. I like the doctor. He, yeah. he was one of the few. Him and Joel were probably the only two likable characters in it. And, and characters I actually agreed with, you know? Yeah, they just, yeah, because after that, after he sees her at the hospital, after she wakes up from thinking she killed everybody, whatever it she was. She was really fucking selfish as a character, to, especially to Joel. Um, you know what I mean? She just, yeah. I, I can understand her reasons for it, you know, all this here, but she just, he just wanted a fucking quiet life and to do his job, and she basically ditched him. And then all of a sudden, she um, comes back into his life, and essentially, it costs him his life, you know, as is revealed at the very end. Um, yeah, I I know, and I, I know you're supposed to play on. Oh, she's you know she's going through this, and don't get me wrong, Bacon sells it really well. Yes, dude, they're, they're acting is fine. But you're right. It's wait. It's the if you're gonna make this character unlikable, turn this into an ugly ending and have her kill him. Yeah, you know, have her. She technically kind of does, or have um, someone but, just kill her, or have no. It would have been better if she became a villain mm-hmm. at the end, and she kill somebody in front of somebody mm-hmm. kind of thing like gave it to Joel yeah well, jo- she Joel's kills, a hero here she kills Trevor in front of Joel which would have been perfect because there could have been tension like you mentioned yes if, if Trevor and uh, Joel had a ten- scene of tension because Trevor might think oh that's your ex-boyfriend what are you doing with yeah. him kind of scene if she killed Trevor in front of Joel Joel then take the curse and she'd walk away and he could go to prison because everyone think oh no he he was going to kill the ex, the husband. Yeah, something that would have subverted our expectations. But the problem yes. is, nothing subverts our expectations here, and and other stuff in it is just a bit shit and poorly realized, uh, are not fully developed. Yeah, I mean, there was twenty five minutes left, and she goes into the house. She's back at her old family yeah. house, whatever it was, and you have a stupid thing with the mom, which doesn't go anywhere. The house burns down, but again, we're trying to be tricked that yeah. this is all. No, I, Why I was caught that this house one just on. like that like that for so many years? I mean, did they not sell it? Did she still own the house? A lot of this stuff isn't really explained to the audience. You don't need you don't need to know that though. I, I mean, I'm assuming that she still had owned it mm-hmm. and just left it there. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, you've got this stellar acting going on, and again, it's like hereditary. Just spoils it with this horrific ending. Yeah. And uh, and you couldn't do the ending I wanted with her killing somebody in front of Joel because they never peppered that in. They never planted that seed. Mm-hmm. So you really couldn't have that at this point. Yeah. So we get this stupid ending where, why didn't you just shoot the matches out of her hand? Yeah. Or try to stop her or something. No, I'm just going to sit here and stare at you while <laughs> no. you do it, knowing what the outcome is going to be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was just fucking, uh, yeah. Doesn't work. Yeah, and they set it up as a false scene. And you know, it's like, well, you got, you got me once. You're not going to get me twice. Yeah. That kind of thing. And then when the movie ends, it ends with 
which makes no sense, lollipop. Apparently, that's because the um, but the audience isn't going to know this again. Yeah, it was just fucking stupid. Um, but apparently, they nicknamed the entity lollipop, hence that song being played at the end. It doesn't work. It's I think again. What? I think again. He was trying to do a hereditary here, where um, there's a brilliant, there's a brilliant juxtaposition, in my opinion, at the ending of hereditary, that very, very bleak ending, where it just goes to both sides now. Um, the Joni Mitchell song, but sang by Judy, Judy Collins, that really works. And I think he tried to do that here, but it doesn't work. He's he's called Lollipop. They, they call they call the smile lolly, or you know the smile entity. Who said that? Was that mentioned? I in read the it film? on IMDb. Hence, that's the, the reason for the inclusion of that song at the end. But the audience isn't going to know that. Well, that's stupid. If you don't include that in the film, yeah. that is, you know, Mr. Sandman from Halloween Two makes sense because yeah. he's he's coming to get you, Mr. Sandman. Yeah. You know. Uh, but this made no sense. Okay, well, whatever. There you go. He's called Lollipop. Why is he called Lollipop? <laughs> lollipop, Lollipop, Lollipop. And that song always reminds me of Stand By Me anyway, because it features in it, in a scene. Oh, my God. The song's about blowjobs. Right, well, there you go. <laughs> I mean, people can, you know, that and Puff Magic Greg, and they could all think they're fun, friendly, yeah. you know, family fun songs, but they're not. Well, Golden Brown's about heroin, uh, Puff the Magic Dragon, obviously about weed. Yeah, yeah. so there you go. Yeah. Uh yeah, this guy's this is this is just my opinion. Um I I love horror films and I'm glad this did well because this will give us more horror films. But I'm shocked that this is getting the reviews it did. I watched it again and I watched it, make sure it's just, just me and all the big press it's getting. Maybe it's just, you know, overselling it and maybe my mind thought was disappointed. So I checked it out again and I'm telling you right now, besides the performances, this movie just falls flat. I'm gonna say something that is will be mildly controversial. Um, I think a lot of the sort of kudos this film is getting is from, and I could be completely wrong here, and I'm happy to admit if I'm wrong, a lot of the kudos is getting, um, it's getting is from a younger, perhaps teenage, um, early 20s audience, who perhaps, and this sounds so condescending and patronising, um, but who perhaps haven't seen as many horror films as um, you and I have. So maybe maybe that's uh, maybe maybe it's it's been a big hit with the younger sort of teen um you know early twenties audience, um, but I, I could be wrong. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, these kind of, when these are hits, this is going to the teen audience, yeah. uh, replay value. But I, I what I don't get is what's replayed here. I can I can never watch this again. No, it's mind numbing. It no it's so boring, yeah. and it drags mm-hmm. and. Insufferable main character, but well acted at the same time. Yeah, I feel sorry for her because I wish she had better material. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it does have, you know, this new director, so it's got some potential the way some of the shots were. And so there's something there. As a student film, if I watch this as a student film, I would say this guy's got some talent, so we'll see what he can do next. Yes, yes. So we'll hold the door open for him and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, it's not fucking Smile too. <laughs> yeah, well, it wouldn't surprise me due to, due to the popularity of Smile. I would be expecting Smile oh, two in coming. a year or two's time. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. Um, yeah. All right, look at this. We wrap this one up. Uh, we're gonna jump another, throw another one at you because we've been gone for a little bit there. Uh, we're gonna talk Megan, another big hit. Um, that is already got a sequel in the works, but after a couple of years, at least they're not rushing it. Are they going to call it um, M Forgone? You know, because <laughs> it's you know the way the threes and oh the name. Oh my god! <laughs> if you want to know, it's Megan two point oh. Right. Right. Um, Forgone. What the? F- well, 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 follows the three. You know, in her name. 
Um, guys, uh, you can go ahead and certainly follow us on Citizen Frame on the Store podcast, and of course on Facebook. Um, you know, keep always feel free to give us a shout um, on both uh, forums. Forums. Um, tell us what you think, and we're going to be changing things up a little bit. We're going to have some guest appearances, uh, guest host podcasting, and throw some quirky films out there that we kind of recently talked about outside of the podcast. Uh, we talked like Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, yeah. movies that people have lost touch with or kind of forgot about that we kind of want to rekindle that, uh, that you know, that uh, once beloved cult films. Forgotten classics. Forgotten classics. There you go. Um, movies like Burnt Offerings and The Car and all these cool films from the 70s that people have forgotten about. It would be nice to reintroduce them again. Yeah. Um, before we hit the summer because we're going to be busy, busy, busy. Yep. All right. We're going to wrap this one up. Uh, I'll be kind of mellow on this one. Fighting a cold. I think that's the problem. Yeah, but we're a bit more, I don't know, a bit more chill. <laughs> there's, you know what it is? I think it's because we're agreeing with each other for a change. Um, if this was maybe another film, well, one of the usual podcasts where we like argue it would have been more um, feisty. <laughs> yeah, that could be. It could be. And this movie took a lot, took a lot out of me, so maybe that's the problem. <laughs> Uh, all right, guys, thanks for listening, and we'll chat soon. Bye.